It's the Derek and Mike podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. We're fucking stoked to have you here. Join us on Twitter at Derek and Mike pod or on our website, DerekandMike.com. My name is Mike. This is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? I almost forgot my intro there. Dude, it's been two weeks since we did a show. I ruined the intro and did it differently. And you almost like forgot to do it all together. I was like, wait, is this where I come in? Is this where I talk? Do I talk now? Is that what this microphone's in front of my face for? Yeah, I think that. Yes, two weeks. This is where you talk. I hope you have plenty of great, great information prepared for us, Derek. And go. Oh boy, you know I'm not the one with that info. Ha ha! No, dude. Okay, so I have been waiting to get your feedback. I hope it's something that you've been interested in or care about. I think it's cool, but I've had no time to research it. But uh, a bunch of new JFK files have been released. And Derek, being the conspiracy connoisseur that you are, I wonder if that's something you care about or have uh, dived into at all. So I can give you what the word on the street is about those, that there's nothing burger in them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've heard that there might be uh, something burgers in them, but a whole bunch of these release documents have blacked out areas or sections or something. Kind of defeats the purpose of releasing documents if you're just going to black out the juicy parts. Yeah, it's kind of how um, interesting how there's nothing to hide. Yeah, after yeah. all these years, Shocker. like yeah, we're going to hide it for 55 years, and then we're finally going to let you see it. And uh, the story is, yeah, we were never hiding anything. Nothing yeah. to see here. Yeah, you guys are just crazy. You guys are conspiracy theorists. There's nothing to see here. Yeah, I did not know. And it's probably common knowledge, but I didn't know that the CIA was like watching Oswald um, like for weeks or some good amount of time before he shot Kennedy. I thought he was kind of just unknown to anybody shot him. And then they found out a bunch of shit, how he had like gone to Russia and became radicalized by the Communist Party or some shit like that. Uh, Had like Russian contacts. So there's certainly some Russian involvement there. So none of that's new news. But I did not know that the CIA was like watching him before he shot Kennedy. Did um, you know that? Well, I don't necessarily believe any of that, really. Oh, okay. I, and I'm not very versed on this, but I listen to people who I, I semi-trust their opinion. And right. the single-shooter method or conspiracy or whatever is uh, just seems to be nonsense. Whoa! Oh, man! You're contesting the single-shooter theory. Oh, okay, this just got so much more fun. I thought that was, like, just kind of assumed to be true. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few entry points where bullets, like, went into him. So it's not very—doesn't seem very plausible. And then the— you mean like the uh, the head wound that, uh, like Kevin Costner in that um, Oliver Stone movie kept saying, back and to the left, back and to the left, where it looked like he was shot like just over the, the right eyebrow from the front, from the grassy knoll. Um, but I have seen recreations um, where they got like a, you know, a, a good shooter and he was able to recreate those shots almost identically 
from the same angle, the whole thing. They measured it all out, the distance, the height, the whole thing. And uh, they were able to recreate those shots from the book repository w- window um, pretty easily in these recreation scenarios. Mm, yeah, well, the things that I, I stick on to is the fact that Kennedy wanted to dismantle the uh, Federal Reserve, the banking system. He didn't want it to be owned by offshore um, go okay. figure. He didn't want our money supply to be controlled elsewhere. All right. Um, yeah, good shit. And uh, he said that he would shatter the CIA into a thousand pieces and that uh, secret societies have no place in an open democracy. Mm. And then he got killed. Huh. So that's a weird and then, coincidence. And then oftentimes the people that probably did it are the ones that immediately came into power. So that's what I think. So you think like Lyndon Johnson shot him from the grassy knoll? Yes, it was Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> Had to be Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, no, Man. I mean, yeah, obviously they didn't do that, but it, he didn't do that. But, you know, they had somebody else do it and they huh. got him so that he wouldn't. Uh, and then since then, there, the, there's been a group of people that have known what's been going on. They saw what happened from from the... Um, uh, intelligence side, the, the military who actually like didn't believe the official narrative got together. And the theory is that's how Q was born huh. at that time. All right. Well, that's okay. Huh? I still trip on the, uh, I don't know, dude, I was like, put myself in people's shoes when, when, when something crazy happens. And every time I think about the whole JFK assassination or you watch a documentary on it or whatever, um, I always come back to that photograph of Jackie Kennedy standing next to LBJ in Air Force One while he was being sworn in in the air. And she's like still standing there in the same clothes she was wearing when her husband was just like blown away right next to her. And she has like blood splattered on her, on her suit. Uh and then now she's standing next to the vice president who's being sworn in as president. And she just has this like robotic glazed over look on her face that just, I mean, I can't even imagine the mindset of, of trying to wrap your mind around what just happened that day and what's happening now. And it must just feel like a whirlwind of stuff circling around you. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that must've yeah. been crazy. That must've been really, really and then you can't you you got to put on a tough face, which she was always really great at. Jackie was always really great at, you know, putting on a brave face no matter what the situation. Like her husband being killed, she handled that with a bunch of poise, or her husband cheating on her and everyone knowing it and how embarrassing and devastating that must be. But she handled all that with a ton of grace and a pretty impressive lady. I think out of all the players in that whole scenario or era and all that, like she stands out to me as as someone who's pretty pretty together. And pretty solid, you know? You know, I don't know a whole lot about her. I just know, I, I do love the Kennedys in general. Just oh, yeah. uh, solid family from uh, uh, him and, um, and his son. Well, their dad uh, who, was who a, passed away. Uh, like, a, like a bootlegging, you know, kind of a, I don't know about a gangster, but a pseudo gangsterish kind of a dude where he built the Kennedy fortune, Joe Kennedy. Who wasn't necessarily a great guy. Uh, yeah, built a fortune yeah. based on bootlegging and some 
you know, kind of backdoor dealings and whatnot. But whatever, go him. Yeah, boot, um, bootlegging is not the worst. I have a um, oh, no. a famous bootlegger in my family tree. Oh, really? What's mm-hmm. his name? Joe Kennedy? His name is Carol Nebby Knuckles. That and sounds like the kind of a name of a guy who would kick the shit out of you. And even though his name's Carol, I don't think anyone would ever make fun of a guy like that for his name being Carol. Yeah, thus the Nubby Knuckles comes into play, too. That that part, like, first you hear Carol, and you're like, oh, Pansy, Nubby Knuckles? Oh, I'm going to not call him a Pansy. So what happened was in the Richmond area, he was a bootlegger, a big bootlegger. He had bodyguards. He was rich off of this operation, wow. and he also ran underground gambling. I like this guy. He was my great-grandfather. Wow. On On your dad's side? My mom's side. Wow. All right. That's pretty kick-ass. Does your mom remember him at all? No, but what she does remember, because um, they got divorced. Uh, he got divorced from his wife at some point oh, because he, he went to jail. He actually ended up uh, shooting himself because the FBI was on him or somebody was on him taking oh. him in. And he wow. decided, he's like, fuck this. Um, and what de- what she does know is that my grandmother would just receive packets of cash. Wow. Just like packets of cash from him um, as a gift. <laughs> well, as as probably child support, actually, or something. But she would just or get... maybe it was big, even him. Just He just needs to get rid of money, you know, get rid of cash. Like, hey, uh, bury this in the basement. Yeah, well, I like I like to think that she he cared about his kid, too. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, just because you're a gangster doesn't mean you don't have a heart. You don't love your kids. I'm sure yeah. he, sure he wanted to support his kids and, and be a man, you know, do the manly thing, be a provider. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I got to pull up that art. I have an, uh, a picture of him from that era. And so it's nubby. a little blurb. I got to find that. Nubby Knuckles. How do, how do you get that name? You got to find that story out. You got to dig through some family history or does your mom's. Are, are, well, your grand, your mom's parents aren't around anymore, are they? No more grandparents? Mm-mm, they're gone. Any aunts or any uncles or anyone that knew Nubby? Um, you know, my uncle is around, and he has he's the one that has the article on Nubby. Oh, talk um, to him. Yeah, yeah. Get, get more info on Nubby from him. Maybe you can, like, build a profile. I mean, that's the kind of guy that you could build a movie around a life like that, like running a bootlegging ring to, a, to the extent of, of you know having bodyguards and obviously a lot of success and and really working the game running underground gambling rings and then the feds coming down on you and coming in so close that you choose to just end it yourself without being taken in you know like you're you're not going to take me alive copper like that whole 30s era bootleg era gangster kind of a thing like wow man that's all like storybook that's Isn't made it? for movie. yeah it's such a trip i you know i i want to see his picture now because i think there was a picture of him and uh who knows? Maybe I got some of his DNA. Maybe I'll turn into yeah. a gangster. Shit. Yeah. I am kind of. Well, gangster. you would probably you would probably be more like you know, programming some gangster software or something like that. You know, still like still totally illicit and and uh and and dangerous. But you know, maybe uh, maybe maybe you know a little more. Uh, that's right. You know, you're right. I'll I'll use Neo Four J and I'll find uh, <laughs> the nearest neighbor. Um, there you go. Algorithm. That will detect who you are most similar to. Nice. Look out. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Uh, 
not as action-packed as the gangster that you might be picturing, but but still totally involved and, and an important part of the operation for sure. Yeah, you can make a movie of me if you want. No problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no one will see it, but, you know, it'd be, it'd be, you can do it. Yeah, totally. Uh -huh. Nubby Knuckles. I'm trying to think of a scenario or a reputation that would that would create the re the nickname Nubby Knuckles. I mean, did he just pound someone's face so hard that, you know, his knuckles were all smashed and bloody? You know, I don't know. I... You, I really want to see the guy's knuckles now. You know, <laughs> let me see. What are these nubby knuckles about? Dude, you're going to find a picture of him, and it's going to be him standing there, and the photo is going to end, like, at his wrist, and you'll be like, God damn it! <laughs> and you can see kind of he's clearly holding a fist down below yeah, that, and you're like, yeah, yeah. no! There's something going on. i got to see yeah. those knuckles. What the fuck? Yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be... Uh... Maybe because he's got little weak knuckles. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's kind of how a lot of gangster nicknames, you know, or even uh, uh, a lot of nicknames are. They're like like a sarcastic play on something that you are not, you know? So, like, a, a big fat guy will be named, like, Slim. Or hey, what's up, like Tiny? Yeah. yeah, what's up, Tiny? He's just fucking 400-pound monster. Bill, oh, Bill Norell did that one time. Um, he was telling me about the story. He, he, like, went into a donut shop, and there was, like, a 400-pound big Samoan guy there that could obviously just demolish anybody. And he said... yeah. What's up, Tiny? He could pull that off. I don't know how people, he could pull that off, but he pulls it off. Yeah. I think if you... Uh, huh. I, I don't think most gigantic guys would take offense to being called Tiny because you're obviously telling them, like, wow, you're a fucking mountain of a man. Like, what's up, Tiny? It's kind of funny. Um, whereas if you made fun of a super short guy by saying, like, <laughs> whatever, stretch, then you're clearly making fun of them for being short then that might get him pissed. But what's a short guy going to do? Bite your ankles or something? You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just kind of hold him, hold him with a straight arm by the forehead while he swings away and misses you because he's so so small and short. So Nubby Knuckles might have had just like little frail knuckles possibly, but he was a badass. What if you Google him? Have you ever tried that? If you just Googled Carol Nubby, Nubby Knuckles? Yeah, I did. Uh, um, you don't really find... I used to find something, but uh, you don't really find much now. Um, huh. Let me, maybe let his me PR try firm it. has uh, erased some of that Carol. internet history. Yeah. Or maybe nubby. the mob. Maybe he, maybe he was kind of like erased by the mob. They're like, nah, we don't want you finding Nubby Knuckles. He's still involved with some shit. Oh, here it is. I found it. Okay. Ooh, All it's right. find a grave even. Whoa. Find a grave. Carol Nubby Knuckles. So I get to see his grave for 1896 to 1938. Uh-huh. Um... Well, there's not a big background on him, but it just says uh, he's in the Hollywood Cemetery of Richmond City, Richmond, Virginia. That's where he was. So, um, yeah, well, that's it. So he died in 19... Oh. He died at 41. All right. So, wow, yeah, 1938. You know what's weird, dude, when you look back at those 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 olden times, those old days, like 41-year-olds were old mature men they were they were very mature and uh um now uh i'm almost 41 and i am not mature at all <laughs> i uh maybe in in body and physicality i'm certainly uh what a normal 41 year old would be but i feel like i am not at a uh at a maturity level that guys in the 30s were at when they were 41 I agree, and you, and you can confirm it if you ask my uh, wife and daughter. I am most definitely not mature at all. No, 
No, no. And I mean, maybe there were people running around that were just as immature as us back then in their 40s. But like for most of what you see as far as fake famous individuals or even just movies depicting families and the dad is, you know, sitting at the dinner table in like a, a jacket and tie kind of thing. Um, I don't sit at my dinner table in a jacket and tie. I'm usually wearing like basketball shorts and a tank top uh, or some like old band tee with the sleeves cut off. Uh, I look like a, a shabby stoner kid or something, you know, with the way I dress compared to suit and tie dad uh, at the dinner table with his family. Yeah, I got to wonder how much, how often that actually exists. You know, I, I just, I do, I have found a picture of Nubby Knuckles, but it's a profile view and he's got a like, hat on. He's got a cigarette like, hanging out of his mouth. It's like a police, like mugshot or something? No, it's not a mugshot. It's just a side shot. It's interesting. It's a side this shot. This is your great grandpa you just found a picture of? Uh-huh, yeah. Well, fucking yeah. And, and Put it, it up says, on our Twitter. I got to see this. Sure. It says, Knuckles Group claims lack of gaming proof. These are oh, like, he was a ringleader, like the Knuckles group, the Knuckles gang. Like he was, he was the, yeah, the boss of a group. He was, he was wow. the boss. Yeah. He was the, he was a gangster. He was the top of the, of the thing. And wow. uh, here's, these are some headlines from, from just various headlines. It doesn't show the article, but it has a headlines around his picture. Knuckles group claims, la claims lack of gaming proof. That's one. Knuckles Pisani again held in gambling raid. Nubby Knuckles pals indicted for gambling. Knuckles called to answer rule revoking bond. Jailed Knuckles gang released on bonds here. Knuckles and AIDS attack indictments. This is all very cool, the way they refer to him. Like, Nubby Knuckles and pals and all this. Like, it, it's basically like he's a known gangster and the, uh, the news writers are, are making him out to sound like larger than life and all that. That's all fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. It's from Ghosts of D.C. is is what they call it. I'm gonna have oh, is he like it. a D.C. area gangster? Yeah, yeah. He was all D.C. area guy. It seems like if you're going to be a gangster uh, and you want to avoid the attention of the feds, D.C. might not be the best place to operate. You're pretty close. You're kind of yeah. like running booze right under their nose. Yeah, you're pushing the envelope a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So but maybe that's a testament to Nubby Knuckles' guts. And I he's did just find like, it. I'm going to operate like literally in the same city where the feds operate. I'm right here running booze. And I bet a lot of the feds were even drinking his booze in bootlegs. I huh. found the article. You want to hear it? I, I do. Yeah. Tell me if it gets too long here. Wow. I didn't know there was this much on him. Interesting. Okay. Wow. We've stumbled across an amazing character from Washington's past. One to rival, but not surpass, of course. Officer Sprinkle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. What is this, a kid's book? Officer Sprinkle's yeah. on the <laughs> Officer Sprinkle. And there's a link to Officer Sprinkle, too, if I want to go off to him at some point. I bet he's a fucking badass, dude, that no one ever laughed at. But seeing his name in print is, is hilarious. So it must have been Nubby Knuckles versus Officer Sprinkle. Uh, no no doubt. my money on. The two of them crossed paths at one point and was likely well acquainted with the other's work. And most likely it was mutual awareness. They were equally, I still have it at Officer of Sprinkle. They were, they were equally represented in the newspapers. One on the right side of the law, the other on the wrong side. And then it has the, the picture of Nubby Knuckles. Yeah. There's an abundance of stories about this colorful character of the 1930s DC underworld dubbed Nubby due to his short stature. He makes his first appearance in the Washington Post crime, 
crime blotter on Tuesday, April 24th, 1928, when he was ordered when he was ordered held for the vehicular death of Miss Mame Mamie Cooper. Hmm. What? Like he he hit a lady with his car or Yeah, I wonder. Damn, hmm. Nubby, that's that's fucked up. Yeah, it is kind of fucked up. Mamie lived da 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 in uh, Rhode Island, New England. Today near Home Depot. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, writer. That is Ooh. useless information. Oh, uh, that the Home Depot takes me out of the era and out of your story. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> and was a passenger this all right next to Starbucks. And was a passenger in the car driven by Knuckles at oh. seven a.m. on Friday. April 20th, it was traveling at an excessive speed when it hit another vehicle and then smashed into the pillar of a railroad bridge crossing Rhode Island Avenue. Wow, kind of like a, um, a Princess Diana thing, huh? Wow, and yeah. A pillar. Knuckles himself was severely injured and had to be treated and recover across town at Sibley Hospital. The accident report stated that the vehicle was traveling at 70 miles an hour when it hit the other automobile skidding for 100 yards before ejecting Miss Cooper through the windshield. Ooh, head first into the pillar. Ah. She Ouch. died on impact. I would think so. Uh, well, Nubby I thought they said she was okay. Where'd you hear that? The Mamie one said that she was all right. Mamie? Yeah. Well, it says yeah. Mamie lived at, is that what you're talking about? Oh, lived. Oh, lived at by Home Depot. Oh, yeah. okay. I, heard, I thought yeah. you meant like Mamie lived. Okay. Yeah, no, she lived at, at Home Depot. Oh, okay. So she, <laughs> she, she lived at Home Depot, but she did not yeah. live through this crash. She flew out of the car and flew headfirst into a pole? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nubby stayed conscious through the accident despite fracturing his skull and having a piece of wood from the chassis lodged in his mouth. God damn. Both Knuckles and Cooper were listed at, as being 40 years old at the time. Mamie was divorced and had a son. He was must have not being uh, must have been cheating. Who worked with her at Child's Restaurant on North Capitol Street and Mass Avenue? Cooper and Knuckles were both originally from Richmond, Virginia. Wow. All want right. me to keep going, or you want me to? No, stop? no, no. I mean, I mean, if it gets like scan it, see if there's anything else like interesting there, because man, that's. That's that, that, that fucking sucks too, because back in those days, like I don't even know if cars had seat belts, but even if they did, no one wore seat belts. So, I mean, if you go getting in a in a crash at any kind of a any kind of a decent speed in an old car like that, you're going right through the windshield, which is not safety glass. It's like normal fucking glass. Yeah. So you'll just fly right through it, get shredded by the glass, and then obviously go flying right into a a pole or a pylon or whatever it said. And and uh, yeah, damn, poor Mamie, that sucks. His marriage license showed him being married February 3rd, 1932 to Mary Hendrick in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Interestingly, he was listed as divorced at the time of his marriage, which must have been my great-grandmother. So Mary was his second wife. Oh. He first arrived in District uh, 1916, fairly absent from official records. Uh, the papers reported that he got a start in organized crime in the waning years of Prohibition as a rum runner. Nice. And then it goes on to say... Um, Taking up a notch, Knuckles partnered up with local crime boss Edward Killeen to operate the notorious Richmond Club near 14th and P Street Northwest, where you shop mm. at Whole Foods today. Oh, what's with this guy in fucking the <laughs> what, what's, the, what's with this guy? Today, it's a Jiffy Lube. Yeah. Like, all right. Okay. Illegal hooch. That, yeah. Fuck. Illegal hooch was his, his entree into life. 
and his true passion was gambling. Nice. And that, yeah, there's more, but that's pretty much the gist of it. All right. Well, that's pretty yeah. badass, dude. Like, yeah. I actually have a bootlegging great, uh, great, great grandfather, and I don't know much about him. Uh, the family hasn't told a lot of stories. Maybe he was big time. Uh, but I don't think so. I don't know of any stories. I don't even know his name. I could dig it back up. It was my my great-grandmother on my mom's side. It was her dad. And I have a picture of him. He looks like a pretty standard, like, 20s, 30s guy in those, you know, kind of like, I don't know, zoot suity kind of a deal with a... He was, he was dressed pretty nice. But uh, I was told he was a bootlegger. I don't know anything else about it. And uh, he's probably not as colorful as as Nubby. Yeah, I, I'm, but, uh, I kind of feel like a badass now. I think I might have a little bit of a swagger when I walk now. Yeah, 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 dude. You need to adopt a little bit of that, like, nubby reputation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe start drinking rum. Yeah, Ooh, I'm going to drink rum. I, as a matter of fact, I want to pour some of my eggnog now. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's how tough that's I am. Very, that's very tough. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Hey, look out. You know what, though? I'm going to, I am going to, post this or put this in a little frame i think and then put it up in the man cave uh yeah yeah like print that out um oh you could even do like one of those cool like photo print things where you can print it like on a canvas or something like that like some sort of a cool like display piece oh where yeah you can you know put that up because that's that's cool man yeah you're right i will do that that's a great like, idea that's my great grandpa like oh man he 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 killed that poor lady in a car accident yeah but keep reading it talks about how cool he was for bootlegging and shit like uh, man, that sucks. That's kind of like, uh, the Kennedy, uh, Teddy, um, Teddy Kennedy, who he kind of like put the brakes on his political aspirations or whatever, where at some point he drove off a bridge or, or crashed on a bridge and, and killed a lady in his car or something like that. And I think they were drunk and partying. And I don't know if I have those details right, but essentially Ted Kennedy killed a lady in his car. And I think he was... I think he like tried to flee the scene or get away with it and then was caught later and then had to own up to it and it made him look kind of like a piece of shit and and uh, that sort of thing and I think that kind of pumped the brakes on his his political career. Um but he was a Kennedy so he still went on to be like a congressman or or a senator or whatever he was. Yeah, boy, that that must have been gruesome, huh, where he just like I mean, Dude. she flew out the window and it hit a fucking pillar. Ah, man, I mean Dude, Wow. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. 70 I mean, miles an hour. And you're right, during then, nobody had seatbelts. No one se did. 70 those, miles an hour must have been pedal to the metal at that time, don't you think? 70 miles an hour is hauling ass in a vehicle with no analog brakes. I mean, their their suspension systems were bas basically like just leaf springs, right? I mean, they, and probably pretty fair. Pretty, I mean, it, it even said a piece of wood from the chassis. So the chassis of the car wasn't even metal, it was wood. Yeah. Uh, you know there's no LIDAR in the car either. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Elon Musk was born then. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's crazy. I remember my mom telling me a story that stuck with me, and it was essentially like, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, when we drove by an accident on the road, um, her parents would make them all just, like, look down, like, don't look at the accident, because back in those days, no one wore seatbelts. And if you came across an accident on the side of the road, it was very likely that it would be bloody and horrific. Uh, so it wasn't like now where when there's an accident, everybody stops the freeway to see who just kind of 
you know, had a little fender bender kind of deal. Everyone looky lose. But back then, her folks would make them like, look at the floor, like look at your feet, do not look at the accident, because apparently they were, you know, pretty often super gruesome. Yeah. 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 No kidding, man. I, I remember I just saw one accident as a kid, like while it was going on, and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, but I think he turned out to be okay. But I just remember him that it was a truck. And it was on the opposite side of the road and it, there was a uh, grass in between the roads. So, but he rolled off into the grass and his truck like flipped over. And I just remember seeing him tumble like inside yeah, you, the bed or inside you could the, see him inside the cab, inside the cab. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I saw an accident once going up the mountain to big bear. You've driven up to big bear, right? In San Bernardino where you kind of go up that little two lane windy road. That's winding all around those mountain corners yeah, you mean and Rick a, went there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty sketchy road. And there was a ton of traffic going up uh, this one time. I think it was just my wife and I. And when we finally got up to what was causing the traffic, it was an accident. Someone was kind of going around one of these blind curves and ended up hitting head on with another car coming down the mountain the opposite direction. And uh, I don't remember how many people were in the car. All I remember is I saw the the poor young girl in the passenger seat who didn't look like she made it, and she was kind of slumped over on the uh, the dash. And, and I mean, just you know, you can just kind of tell when someone's not uh, conscious. Yeah. It wasn't like blood everywhere, that kind of thing. It was just like, oh my god, you know. And uh, you know, the line of cars just slowly works their way around the accident so they can continue on their road or continue on their drive and as you see something like that and you pass it and then you continue on toward your fun weekend in the mountains, it's a, it's a mood changer. It's definitely a, it's definitely a, a shift in mindset for sure. We were both just quiet for a long time. Just like that, that poor, that poor girl's life just ended right there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just surreal. huh? Tough. Yeah. yeah. I've never, I don't, I don't know that I've ever actually seen more dead bodies. Uh, have you seen dead bodies? Okay, so I saw that accident. I saw that young girl. I'm pretty sure she was. I'm pretty sure she wasn't there anymore. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other time where I've. I don't think I've ever seen. Like obviously dead bodies, in any other way. Have you ever seen dead bodies? I saw one underneath one of those corner things, when it. This was on Santiago Canyon, in Mission Viejo, like between Mission yeah. Viejo and like. Irvine area. Oh yeah, and that's pretty similar to. I mean, not as steep as the uh, Big Bear Road, but kind of the same two-lane windy highway. It's a dangerous one. A lot of people die yeah. in there, and a lot of. Yeah. It, I think he was a bicyclist too, which was just oh, no. made it even worse. Um, but I, I didn't. You know, just seeing that was kind of enough, and and it kind of uh, sullened me quite a bit too. Yeah. You know, when you see that, well, you saw like, him like laid out on the side of the road or something, or. Yeah, it was on the opposite side of the road, and it was kind of like like your thing. I mean, there wasn't a ton of cars or anything, but police just like just waved you through, slowly passed by, and you saw that poor cyclist on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was ambulance and stuff there already. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was no ambulance wasn't there. Well, I don't know. Um, you Fire know what? I, fa- I faintly remember. I don't have like a big like a photographic memory of that. I just know, I just know that I saw a dead person on the side of the road and I don't know, maybe, maybe my memory just kind of blocked it out a little bit. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. 
I try to do that when I can. Uh, like, or, or certainly by, by choice when I can. Like, if someone offers, like, oh, hey, do you want to see a video of one of those weird, like, Muslim extremist beheading videos? I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want that seared into my memory. Like, no thanks. I know it happened. It's horrible. I have no interest in seeing it. Yeah, it just desensitizes you, and you can't, and you know, you can't unsee it. And then, no. like years later, you know, you that memory might pass through of that that awful thing. You're like, oh man. I mean, I used to do that. I was like a dumb kid, and I would watch that Faces of Death and all that disgusting shit. I don't know why I would. I used to watch those too. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like a macho thing, you know. Like, oh, let's check these yeah. out. You know, well, and we would go it, and it was like just rent this... it at the local video store and then yeah, came back remember... and have a sleepover. Yeah, totally. We would go do stupid shit like that. And then, yeah, you're right. It's like macho. Like, no, oh, we're so cool. Let's go get faces of death. Yeah, dude, cool. And we'd sit and watch it. And it's fucking sad in retrospect, you know? Yeah. Maybe we were together when we watched some of that shit because I remember Probably. watching it with Ron. And we yeah. had it on at our house and we would watch it. It was just so disgusting. But like, yeah, the alligator scenes would just poor people like uh like yeah just things things you just yeah. wish you didn't see for sure yeah 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 a few of them stick in my memory um and uh yeah there's, there's just no sense in that you know and and then that, that's probably even why like later on in life as as i got older when you you have opportunities to see things like on the internet you know and you're an internet guy always have been so i'm sure you've easily been able to see things um but choose not to like beheading videos or any kind of crazy, like, oh, so-and-so died in this video and whatever. Like, no, I'm good. I don't want to see it. I don't even want to see people that, like, break bones in videos. Like, you know, oh, uh, uh, an MMA fighter kicked another guy's shin and his leg broke and it swings around and bends in the wrong direction and all that. Like, here, click here to see it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see that. That's that's gross. See, I didn't think that you were queasy like that because I remember, like, uh... I can watch it, but I don't like it. Yeah, no, I don't like it either. Don't get me wrong. I I thought you were tougher than that, though, Mike. I thought uh, that no, you were like I'm a I'm a giant puss, apparently. <laughs> no, because I remember um, remember you joined back up up on Facebook before you uh, ran for the hills, which I don't blame you, of course. Yeah, and I did too eventually. But you joined Facebook, and your first post to me was, "Hey, dude, good to see you on here. Check out this chick eating shit." And it was, it was that girl. It was, it was hilarious. She was like on a bike and she was like going up on a ramp and like, I don't know what happened. Did she flip backwards and she landed in a swamp or something? I mean, she was okay. She wasn't hurt. It was just funny. She fell in mud. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not above that. I'm very immature. Like, like we said, so no people falling videos, stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, I'll totally watch those and share them and laugh at them. And I think that's hilarious. Um, but I don't want to see them hurt. I don't want to see, like, them crying in pain or broken bones or anything. Like, if someone, you know, eats shit into a big puddle of mud, I, I, I like to think, like, ah, they're probably fine. It's just embarrassing. And then I'm okay with it. Yeah, it, it's conditioned me now where anytime I see, like, somebody on a skateboard in a video, I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck this. <laughs> fuck I, you. I'm nope. not watching that shit. Not on the <laughs> internet, dude. Yeah, someone to be like, watch this extreme fall. And you see, like, some guy start down a, a, a flight of stairs railing on a skateboard. I'm like, nope, click off. I don't want to see where this ends. Yeah. No, it could have been amazing, uh, but I'll never know because I don't want to see it. Yeah, I I've certainly one, passed I, up a lot of stuff. No I doubt. saw one, uh, and I, I didn't expect it to be as bad as it was, so I watched it, and it still sticks with me. I hate it. Uh, it was a, a, 
a young girl, dude, probably a teenager, arm wrestling a really big buff girl. Oh, like stop, they were, stop, stop. I, 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 I can't even yeah. go there. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I can do it. All right. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, yeah I, get, I get you though. Yeah. Mm. It was horrible. And I mm. saw it and like, yeah. I, 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 I can't get it out of my head. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh, no, dear. I don't want to see that shit. Yeah. And then all I think too, as a parent, that little, that girl is someone's kid and yeah. how devastating it would be to have your kid hurt like that. And then to have it like go viral and end up all over the internet and know people are laughing at it. Like, Serious. God, that would be fucking infuriating. Yeah. No doubt about that. You know, it's weird how, as a parent, you see things so differently than you used to when you were young. Um, you know, it, it's weird to say, but I mean, it's honest, so I'll say it. But even like 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 porn or any kind of like sexy stuff like that, um, where the girl is like very young, a teen or anything, I don't see that the same as I used to. And I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe that's just because I'm older now or because I think it's because I'm a parent, because all I can think of is that's someone's little girl like this. This is... Uh, not right and it it you know i mean she's hopefully an adult in the video so it's her own choice but still like i i don't i don't feel like an 18 year old girl could totally be making those decisions that are ir like irreversible and and non-erasable you know like i don't know i just think about it on all those lines and there's nothing sexy about it anymore it's just purely like oh man uh I feel for her and her parents. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 100 percent with what, you. On what a that. lame sentiment! It makes me sound, it makes me feel like such a lame ass when I say it. But that's the truth. I, I guess it didn't used to be when I was younger, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's no, how I, I see it now. I remember when I was younger and like we would go out to a restaurant or whatever, and the waitress might have been cute and maybe 20 or something. And this was obviously before I was married or whatnot. But you, you know, you kind of well, look at them like, ooh, yeah. And yeah, now, yeah, now I'm like dad. Girls. I'm dad to this 20 year. I'm like. I'm like, I'm old enough to be your father. I, I want Literally. to tip you because I want, I want you to make money. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's so true that yeah. how that change happens. Or, or when they're dressed kind of sexy, your thought is just kind of like, oh, you should, you know, come on, don't, don't walk around like that. You know, scumbags are going to, you know, uh, uh, not treat you right or whatever. Like, oh, don't do that. Whereas, yeah, back in my younger years, it'd be like, oh, oh yeah, she's hot, you know, all that kind of stuff. But no, that, that does change. It's, it's, uh. It's it's interesting how that works because I don't remember the change. I never consciously made it. It just it just kind of happened, and then all of a sudden, I noticed it happening in myself. Where I'm just like, oh wow, I'm different. I, I would have normally been like ogling that girl, and now I'm just kind of like, oh, she should put a coat on her. Her shirt's too small. <laughs> yeah, and and it probably is magnified a little bit more if you were to have a daughter. I imagine entirely. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it makes me change, and because my daughter is beautiful, I'll just say it. She's very pretty girl, and it's just something that you think about. Like everywhere you go, you're like, you know, people look at her sometimes, and they think because she is very pretty. But I mean, she's a child, but you know, there's you still think uh, you even as a child, a beautiful child, they still get that much more attention being beautiful. You know, so you're just like, yeah, you just got to be more protective. Of, of oh yeah, no, and and then I don't know if you have fear about when she gets into her like her teens and starts like becoming a young woman, and uh, you know, you're inevitably dudes are going to be like side eyeing her in a restaurant or whatever, and you're going to notice that. And man, like that 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 thought or that imagined scenario made me so afraid to have a daughter, and um, 
I don't know if that just gets easier at, from having a daughter and after a while and you, you just come to accept it that she's an adult and a human and that's that stuff happens. But I don't know, man, when I imagined that when my wife told me she was pregnant both times, I imagined both times like how terrified I was to have a daughter because all those scenarios just made me feel like I'm going to go kill some young boy uh, for looking at my daughter weird and then I'm going to end up in jail and that's terrible and I don't know how this is going to work, you know, because that's inevitable. I can relate to that, but I'll have... I'll tell you that, you know, when you do have a daughter, those things come up, but you, you just take it one day at a time. And yeah. the, the thing is, is like, um, what's great about Esme is that she's very, um, what's the word? Cautious. Because okay. like I took her to a birthday party a few weeks ago and, and I did trust the mother. I met her one time and, and I met the father and the, these are good people. I do like them. And she said, uh, you know, if you want, you can drop her off here for an hour and, or um, or I, you can stay here if you want to. And I asked Esme, I'm like, what do you want me to do, sweetie? And she's like, I want you to stay. So, you know, it's like she. Well, that's she, good. Yeah. Yeah. She's cautious. That's good. That yep. She doesn't feel like uh, even if she wants you to stay, she doesn't feel like uh, she has to be cool or be tough or you know what I mean? Be fake and say yeah. like, no, 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 I'm good. Even though maybe she doesn't feel safe about it. Like that's cool that she's close enough with you and secure enough in her own self that she can just say, yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather you stick around dad. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, she's, um, yeah, she's real cautious and, and I'm, I'm just so happy about that because man, I, that's a combo right there. I couldn't imagine having a, a beautiful daughter that was not cautious. You know, that no, would scare the shit out like of me all, right there. Yeah, wild and all that, where you're just like, oh, no, man. Oh, no. Yeah, why can't I spend the night over there? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like, no. Yeah, yikes. Yeah, that's, it's got to be tough, too, like, when you're, you're helping your kid understand humans, you know, where you're basically like, hey, look, uh, you want to trust people, you want to treat everyone like they're good, but the reality is, is not everyone's good. So you need to look out for these certain things. There are bad people out there, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, that's got to be, or I, I imagine it to be extra difficult or extra important for little girls because I perceive them as being more susceptible to bad people. That may or may not even be true, but I, I feel like it is, you know? It and, is. Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And this actually... Know? This is an interesting topic because this got me into a strange argument one time with somebody because like my point of view is that I don't trust men like because I'm a yeah. man and I know that men, you know, they just have bad intentions a lot of times. They just, you know, yeah, you know, and yeah, and I was like, never like pervy or rapey, but I was certainly on the prowl. Uh, in my younger years, right? And everyone yeah, else yeah. was. You, you or me, I'm not talking about, you know, nope. but we, you know what I'm talking, we've, yeah. we've met guys that were just super pervy and like, and had all the intentions and had the bravery to go about with it, you know? And it's yeah. just a scary, con like I, just knowing that that's out there, it's like they're, they're wolves. There's wolves yep. out there. And yeah. I, and I told somebody and, and I really didn't mean this to come across as a misconception, but I remember saying like, you know, I don't, I don't know if girls should go to a bar by themselves. And that was kind of my thought. And it's just, it, and it, it's out of protection. I was saying it. And it's out of the fact that I know men are just like, sometimes I'm scared of men. Like I've, I've had 
guys come on to me in some weird ways where I'm just like, shit, this is like gay guys, you know, just in, in weird ways where I'm like, damn, this is getting really awkward. Were you so, wearing those new pants when it happened? Yeah, it was my, my space pants. Well, I mean, they're only human, you know, I mean, you just gotta, you gotta own it, Derek. If you're going to wear those pants, you just got to accept the, the, the downside of what's going to happen. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, so, and, and well, that's another thing too. And, and and the person that I got in this argument with, she was like, um, well, no, that you can't say that because it's the guy's fault. The guy, she should be able to go to the bar. Uh, and yeah, I, and I, I, I totally, I agree. She should be able to go to the bar, but should and what actually is out there are two different things. And when something bad happens and she's a victim of a very bad person's actions, are you just going to be like, well, that guy shouldn't have done it? Like, no, I'd rather prevent it from not happening at all. Like, I totally agree, dude. No one should be restricted in where they should go. Uh, I'm all about, like, female empowerment, the whole, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, they should be entirely equal and they should yeah. have the freedom to do everything. But I would be scared to have my daughter go into bars alone, too, because I've been to a lot of bars and... Uh, Dude, I know how that is. There's some bad people out there, and there's even some good people who do some pretty bad things. Like, we've got a lot of friends who have certainly uh, taken advantage of some women in those sorts of party scenarios. Not in a rapey way, but certainly not in a way that would make their daddies happy, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, it's all a part of growing up, right? So all that's inevitable for men and women. And for boys, like, it's it's really important to teach them to not be those weird, rapey, pushy, uh, you know, tally-keeping kind of score as many chicks as you can kind of douchebag assholes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's that's what I'm tasked with is like, hey, look out for uh, women who are, who are no good. You know, some girl who's just going to try to get you to get her pregnant and then you're on the hook with someone who you don't want to be with. So beware of that. But also, don't be an asshole who's just trying to bet every chick you come across because... You know, like as lame as it sounds, you want them to uh, appreciate and respect women and respect all people. You don't want to raise some predatory douchebag guy, you know? Um, Absolutely. And, so, and that's for so long that was that's been glorified, you know, by. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. There's like a male testosterone uh, component to it, too. Right. Where yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, the uh, you're the cock of the walk. You're the rooster in the in the room. You know, and, and, and everybody, all of us as kids, you know, in our twenties, when we would go to a club, you know, if, oh, we all want to be the one who pulls all the chicks. We want to brag about everything. We want to make ourselves sound like just irresistible womanizer, you know, uh, playboys. Yeah. that's how we want to paint ourselves. Totally. And like at the end of it, like you and I just are not like that at all. Like I know we've talked before. It's like, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be out there in the dating scene right now. That's that's like that would be horrible. I'm I'm so happy that I found my wife and I have a family and I want no more than that. Like that is that's no. the perfect setup. But the whole dating scene and all that nonsense, like, oh, no, no, I couldn't even <laughs> I feel like I would be so lazy at it. I would just be like, oh, oh man, I got to like do my hair and go out tonight and try to like make conversation and be attractive. Like, uh, that sounds like too much work. I don't want to do any of that. 
Yeah, but like with this with this conversation, like I understood where she was going with the thing. Like, yes, a girl should be able to. And there was another component, too, that I forgot. It wasn't that I said a girl shouldn't go to the bar by herself just like that. A girl shouldn't go to the bar and get drunk is what I said. And okay. and she took offense to that. And and, you know, I I don't mean it like like I'm going to create a law that says, like, no girl should go out to a bar. But. I, I just yeah. know the dangers that are lurking in there. And like, you know, with my daughter, certainly I'm going to probably teachers, probably not a good idea to go to a bar and get drunk by yourself. Like, yeah. and if that makes me a bad person, I'm sorry, you know, but that's going to well, be think, my advice. And I think most girls just naturally know that because in their uh, exhibited behavior, it's very rare to see a girl at a bar, like back in our bar partying days, it's pretty it was pretty rare to find a girl who was there at the bar to hang out and have drinks and enjoy the bar scene alone. They almost always have a, a group of friends. Um, and it's interesting, too, the, the makeup of girls' group of friends. It makes me think of the uh, the fat, pushy one for some reason. Okay, this is probably insulting to some, but I don't know. It's just what I'm thinking. So we would always, like, come across a group of girls at a bar. You'd see them. They're all at a table. It's clearly just three or four girls. They're on their own, and we're a group of four or five guys or whatever. So we obviously are eyeballing them, and we're like, we need to go talk to those chicks. Okay. So we'd go talk to them or, you know, I don't know, in some way spark up a conversation with one of them because there was, like, the pretty single one who was looking to connect with dudes at the bar. And then there was always, like, the bouncer friend who was there to, like, protect her her prettier friends from any of the dudes who wanted to talk and uh and and mate with them right it's very animal yeah. and it always seemed like you had to get past that guard dog friend to get to the pretty ones and it was a weird like established role thing where it it was always the case like to get to a pretty friend in a group you always had to get through the 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 bigger uglier one um who just like appointed herself uh cerebus or, or whatever like she's the guard dog and she's going to keep you from talking to the pretty one so the whole game was first getting past the guard dog, talking to the pretty one, like maybe catching her when she was on her way uh, out to go have a smoke outside or or going up to the bar on her own to get another drink. Like, that's your chance. Like, she walked away from the guard dog. Now I can go talk to her, you know? Have you ever watched the pickup artist or you ever uh, read stuff about pickup uh, artistry? No. See, I've done extensive research on this, and before we get too deep <laughs> of into course it, you have. You're so yeah. analytical. You're just like, I need to pick up chicks. I'm going to go study the. I will read a book how to art. pick up chicks. Yeah, it <laughs> will come to me perfectly. Um, <laughs> I will be tell you. At me constantly. Uh, I'll tell oh, you, it works. So it fucking works. Now, here's the thing. Now, before I get too deep in the story. I, I studied this. I, I do feel like this is what attributed to me meeting Megan. And, but the thing is, is that, and I, I didn't know this because I am an innocent guy. Like truth be told, I've never once had a one night stand. That's never happened to me. I, I don't, I don't think I have it in me. I don't think I could have a one night stand. It just, it just wouldn't be able to happen. Um, so I, I'm relatively innocent when it comes to like seducing women and everything and being able to like, um, I'm more of a, a friend, I think kind oh. of in a way, but no, well, not just a friend. I mean, girls do are attracted to me. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I've never been successful at like seducing women and I, I don't have it in me to, to seduce a woman like that. Okay. All right. Um, 
But, and I say that because when I told, like after years of studying the pickup artist thing, I told this one guy and he was like, he was actually starting to drill me on it. Like as if I was like a rapist. And then, and then event, he found out I wasn't. And he said, and he said, well, okay, but you know, there's a lot of guys that do that and it's because they are like bad people. And it totally, I was like, oh, you know, you're fucking right. <laughs> you know, you're right. Oh, like uh, studying here's, here's the best way to, uh, like get my prey kind of thing. So they're yep. studying all that too. Uh-huh. So wow. they do it that way. Me, I just did it to find a girlfriend and, yeah. and it, it works. And, and that situation where you're talking about where you have the one friend that's at the table and that's blocking you cock blocking. Yeah. Um, you know, they have, they have a, a playbook for every scenario and it works. It all right. Works. Well, so, so, okay. So assume our listeners are still going to the bar scene and dating and they, and they want to have some tools in their belt for when they want to go talk to the pretty one, but the ugly one is being the guard dog. Like, what's the book say? What do you do? What's the You do not pay attention to the pretty made? one at all. You do. All right. You move in on the guard dog. And you what? went over, once you went over the guard dog, then you say, oh, you know, can I, you, we went over the guard dog and then it, every, it eases everybody there at the table because they know that that's the cock blocker. The you guard dog. The beast. And then you right. say, oh, you know, I haven't talked to your friend. You, you mind if me and her go and uh, talk over uh, over there privately? And then you go and talk to her. That's wow. how you do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Huh. Okay. They have extensive playbooks for everything. Oh, they do, dude. Yeah. I've never been much for those sorts of, I don't know, I, I guess I've always just kind of maybe a little laziness or whatever, like when, when approached with a problem like, like that, I, I've never thought I should go read a book on it. I'm sure some pickup master has written a book that I can go and, and, uh, learn to master it. Or maybe it was just convenience. Cause honestly, I just always kind of had the benefit of being in a band not that I was ever like Mr. Cool or our band was even, th- even that big or whatever, but it was always easy to talk to girls, um, and have that initial kind of, uh, feeling out stage uh, surpassed or bypassed because I don't know when you're when you're playing at the at the venue or whatever it, it I don't know it's just easier to talk to girls you know it, it kind of makes you more attractive or easy to talk to or it may, maybe it just gives me more confidence where I feel like I can just talk to people more or whatever I don't know you know I don't know be, playing in the band was definitely something that made it easier to meet girls. See, I, I was dealing with more of like a self-image problem slash confidence problem where yeah. like I just automatically assumed like girls didn't want me and that I felt like I was ugly. So like I went through this, I, I lived in that phase for like a lot of time. Huh. So I used the pickup artistry stuff to kind of break free of that to realize that, oh, that's really just like my own uh, thought process. That's the own, my own paradigm oh. that I'm stuck in. And, yeah, that's cool. And it started to open me up to realize that that, that was a falsehood on my own uh, thought process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That's kind of cool. Yeah, what, no, are, what, are, what, yeah. what are some of like the, the basic, like, I don't know, talk about like pickup lines? That seems really cheesy. I can't imagine it's, it's pickup lines because I, I don't know that I've ever seen like pickup lines actually work oh they do usually laughable no no they do they do yeah Uh you have any like remember any like good ones that don't seem like hey are those 
pants made of mirrors because I could see myself in them or, you know, lame-ass shit that obviously never works. You know, I I wish I could remember some of them, but I will tell you that, um, I'll tell you a couple experiences that I had. So I was studying the pickup artist stuff and this is when I lived in Irvine and I had a couple friends that were interested in it for like from a distance, but you know, um, they like kind of watching me and supporting me. They really didn't like do anything to, right. uh, they didn't play much of a part. Well, one of the guys did, he was one of the guys didn't have a girlfriend and he was like super eager. So like when I would open up a group of girls, which is what it's called, he was right there and then he did, and then he would cock black the whole thing. He was one of those guys that just wouldn't shut up. You know what I mean? So like once you open the group of girls and you got their attention and you started a conversation, like he just wouldn't shut up and nobody else could get a word in edgewise. You, you know what I'm talking about? Oh my God. But Dude. so his name was, uh, well, I won't say his name, but we, we would go to Irvine Spectrum and uh, I forgot what bars we would go to. We'd visit a few of them. And one time the three of us were sitting on one side of the bar on the other opposite end of the bar uh, on the other side of the bar, excuse me, on the other side of the bar were two very pretty girls. And I mean, like overwhelmingly kind of like pretty, like, yeah. wow. They both were like, we're talking about like, I don't know. I don't want to use numbers as derogatory, they were like, but they were, they were like bringing their a game that night. They, they came out to uh, be noticed. They did. All right. So I told, I told the guys, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the bathroom. When I come back, I'm going to open them up. <laughs> that doesn't sound fair. Yeah, fucking lingo. Okay, like it's a like it's a military gonna, tactic or something. What, yeah, what, that's that's how they talk, dude. I'm gonna open. You say I'm gonna open that set. You don't. You don't. I mean, it's so dehumanizing now that you actually think about it because I know. you're like, I'm oh not gonna God. open up those girls. I'm gonna open up that I'm gonna, set. No, I'm gonna go talk to those nice young ladies. It's like I'm gonna go open that set. <laughs> it breaks so, them down to like some statistical uh, target. So I walk, I, I go to the restroom and I'm walking back. And instead of walking on the side of the bar where we were sitting, uh, I walked on the side of the bar where those girls were. And one of the other tricks is that like when you approach a set, when you approach, uh, when you approach girls, you don't face them with your body. That's overwhelming. That's too much. Like they don't. When you face somebody and you're talking to them, they're like, okay, when is he going to leave? He's just approaching us. This feels threatening. So what you do is you act like you're going to keep walking past them, but you just say something and then you make them laugh. And I said something. I, I, I asked the girls something and they answered. And then I, some way or another, um, they started laughing and then I think I had asked one of the girls if I could see your hand. Like this is this is part of the trick. It's called kinesis. So at a certain point, you're talking, 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 and then at a certain point, there's biological triggers that actually get activated when you do certain things, and one of them is a kinetic touch. So when you have a kinetic touch with somebody, there's a biological trigger that goes off in somebody's head where. If they do like you, they like you more after that biological touch. Okay. So that, that happened. And then with me, like after I opened a set, quote unquote, <laughs> I, I, I was a pussy. 
like, <laughs> like, like no, I'm like, run for the hills. Oh no, I don't know what to do you're, now. You're all, <laughs> so, you're all, you're all textbook strategy, and you're like, okay, it's working. Oh no, what do I do now? Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh no, I've gotten this retreat, far. Retreat, retreat. Yeah, and I, I like ran Close off. Close the set. Close the set. Yeah. Oh man. So then I, I walked past them, and then I, I went back to my friends, and they were shocked. They were shocked. They, both their mouths were wide open. Because they, first of all, they didn't believe me that I was going to approach them. And then they wanted to know so badly what it was that I said. And what it was I said didn't mean jack squat. It wasn't really what I said. It was just yeah. the, the way the approach happened. And yeah, maybe it was a little joke, but you know, I, I wasn't intimidating. And I, you, you do know, you, do you remember what it was at all? I don't remember. All right. I don't. I'm sorry. I but, know. But it doesn't even matter. It's, it, it wasn't like some, amazing joke or anything it did it, it, it wasn't it wasn't important no it was a canned opening it was like right. just a canned oh. opening that that um wow. you know and you know, what it, a lot of times it's just a question so like uh now that i remember um one thing i would do is my buddy would get a drink a a, a big huge pina colada this is this maybe this is actually one of them. I don't think I said it this time. He would he would get a big sissy drink, and I would go up to the to a girl and I would say, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "My friend over there, he's got a big sissy drink. Do you, do girls look at a guy like that and and think that wow, I don't want to approach that guy because he's got a big sissy drink?" So that would be like one of the openers right there. That immediately puts them in the driver's seat. And it is funny because you're making fun of your friend. And yeah, it is a giant, flamboyant, uh, big, colorful sissy drink. So, okay, I can see how that's that's kind of a uh, a good opener. Yeah, and it's a it's a plausible question, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it's just... So, yeah, it, and so every time we go out, you get like the... And he so, wouldn't even drink it either. He would I was going to say, so this opening line costs like $23 right out of the gate. <laughs> We're like, hey, could you... Uh, bartender, can you put some pineapple on that? Come on, like yeah, do you, it up. I need an, an umbrella. I need an extra parasol. <laughs> I need this thing to be like fucking decorated. I need it to be. <laughs> I need it to be ridiculous from across the room, sir. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, oh that was God. it. But yeah, That's after after the opening, like I I would like bail like a like a little bitch. I'm just like uh, uh like bail bail. You're, I'm, just, you're, I'm just a scientist here conducting an experiment. <laughs> I did not think my experiment would start working, and now I'm fucking bailing out. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. I'm sorry. I don't. It's not written in the book how I progress from this point. Yeah, yeah. I'm the sorry. book's like we assume you you know what to do once she wants you, but uh, <laughs> all right, we'll we'll write a second edition on how to close the deal. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Dude, you know, okay, so that makes me think about a a very good mutual friend who was notorious about um, completely fabricating stories about himself to pick up chicks at bars. And I remember he would do this all the time everywhere everywhere we went. And we were at, I think, Cask and Cleaver one time, and we're all sitting at, at one of the tables drinking. And this friend was over off. Not, we didn't know it, but he must have been off, like, talking to some chicks, telling them huge fucking lies and then he came back to the table, and I think the girls were coming back over to the table to join us. So the friend came back to us, and he was like, okay, okay, guys, girls are going to come up. Uh, I'm a doctor, okay? And then the <laughs> girls came up, and we're all faced with this, like, instant 
fake lie we had to be like oh, oh okay so he's he's a doctor right now like all right uh and then i don't know questions come up or whatever we're trying to be cool like oh yeah hey how you doing nice to meet you like oh oh yeah doctor this guy and whatever like <laughs> trying, to, trying to like on the fly support his lie and it was hilarious because it would always be something different dude just like oh, oh okay guys uh I, i'm a i'm a veterinarian i have a i have a veterinary clinic right around the corner okay and go like oh uh shit it was it was very improv it was very cool I remember that guy. I know who you're yeah. talking about. I'll, I'll save. I'll save the. Uh, I won't embarrass him, but yeah. and then because he had a partner in crime too, that would do it with him <laughs> as well. And we know who that was. And they would both do. They would run that scam on it. They'd be like, "Yeah, I'm a doctor. Oh yeah, I got a Ferrari." And then they just, yeah, they just fed off each other, didn't they? Oh God, dude. I don't know if it was like a legitimate tactic they were using or if it was just fun to see if they could pull it off maybe both i don't know but it was hilarious dude and it was always so fun to see what he would come up with next and then it would always be like uh you know oh, okay uh i i I'm, I'm in astronaut training all right okay cool just go with it <laughs> like uh what i don't i even don't even know how to support that lie other than just nodding my head if they ask like is he in astronaut training i'll just be like mm, oh yeah totally um yeah <laughs> at a certain point you're just like <laughs> fuck i don't know yeah <laughs> it's crazy man i love that 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 shit's just funny as hell to me yeah boy i'd like to have him on sometime that would i be would funny. love that dude i would love that oh man oh speaking of guys we i would love to have on our show i talked to ron the other day um yeah. he's doing really well he's still working weird ass overnight hours so i i don't know how we would uh, he's basically sleeping while we're awake, and he's working while we sleep. So I don't know. His schedule's all wacky. Yeah, I I always I never know when to text him too because like I'll have a good text and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know if I text him right now. It's gonna piss him off. Lately, I've been calling him around like one forty-five, and then he calls me back at almost two. I think he starts work at two thirty, so he calls me on his way to work, and we talk for like fifteen minutes. He must oh, okay. work close to his house because he'll call me when he gets in the car. We talk for like 15 minutes and then he goes, all right, dude, I'm pulling to work, man. I'll talk to you later. So we get these little short conversations and it's almost always right around like 2, 2.15, something like that. Yeah, I wonder if we can have him on for just like even just 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole show, you know? Uh, dude, it would be so hard just to have 15 minutes with him. Uh, there's so much yeah. fun shit to talk about. But 15 minutes is better than no minutes, so I'd be down. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to get into any stories, really. It would oh, be getting man. good and we'd be like, oh, all right. Man. Pull, and pull I, when I talked to him, it was such a quick conversation that I never even told him that um, we got into uh, Cop Steve on our last episode. He would love that. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I forgot to tell him about it. And, uh, dude, we, we got to figure out a time where we can get him to jump on here and tell some fucking hilarious stories. Yeah, because I want to ask him. I, I'm, I know Steve pulled uh, his hat off. And, and you don't remember <laughs> that part so well. I, but... I don't. I don't. And I don't, I don't know if I was there or not. I don't know if it was just Ron telling me, like, hey, Steve pulled my hat. Because he was pissed. I know. I remember he was pissed about it, like, pulling his hat off. But, oh, man. Definitely something Steve would do. Like, just pull his hat, like, to get his attention. Like, you, you can't listen to me scream at you while you're wearing a hat. So I'm going to remove your hat and scream at you, and you'll receive my screaming more attentively. Is yeah. That, is that it was, the plan? It was just to piss him off. Yep. No doubt. <laughs> Steve. You know what I remember about Steve is he eventually sold his house and moved away. Uh -huh. uh, and for anyone who didn't listen to the last episode, Steve was a, a 
a, a cop who was all cop all the time who lived right next door to the house Derek lived in for a little while in our neighborhood. And he was, he was the cop in the neighborhood. He was very copy. And, uh, eventually he sold his house and moved out. And then we heard Steve might've even been the one to tell us that, um, another cop bought his house and would be moving in. And <laughs> naturally for a bunch of punk ass idiots in the neighborhood, we all were like, Oh man, there's a new cop moving in, you know, like what's this going to look like and all that. And I don't know if you were there or not for this, but we were all standing at the top of the cul-de-sac on my mom's driveway and the new cop pulled up. Ah, oh, fuck. I don't remember how it exactly happened, but essentially we, we saw the new cop. We talked to the new cop. He realized who we were. We were the neighborhood idiots. And, and I think he decided I'm going to make peace with these guys because it's going to be a problem. I don't want to fuck with the neighborhood idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, we were all standing out on the driveway at my mom's house and his first gesture of introduction was pulling up and giving us a case of beer. And yeah, yeah. we thought this guy is cool. Yeah. We can, we can live in the same neighborhood with this cop that he's cool. Shit. Maybe and, he's a uh, rum runner. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Maybe he's uh, one of your cousins or something. Another descendant. <laughs> heavy knuckles. I don't know. Yeah. But but it was, it's an interesting thought process because at the time we were just like, oh, man, he's fucking cool, dude. Brought us a case of beer. The new cop's awesome. You know, all that super surface level uh, thinking. But now it's more kind of like he must have made a choice. Like uh, if I get on these guys' bad side, it's just going to be a chore. They're going to toilet paper my house or, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to deal with that in my neighborhood. I'm just going to buy them off and they're going to be on my side and I won't have to worry about them ever again. And it's only going to cost me like 14 $14 or whatever the case of beer cost, you know? So it was a smart investment uh, on his entry into the neighborhood. Yeah, no, it was a good move. I mean, you're yeah. the new guy. You're like, imagine what he thought. He's like, oh, shit. These <laughs> what did I... Yeah. Oh, right, I wonder if Steve warned him about us. Maybe after he sold the house. Or maybe, like, I, don't, I think they were cop friends. And, oh, and yeah. he sold this house to this guy. So it might have been like, hey, dude, the only thing you need to know is there's this group of idiots who think they're cool and they're fucking annoying. They're going to smoke weed on the side of your house. And there's, there's a group of idiots in the neighborhood. So heads up. And this guy, being cooler than Steve, thought, well, I know how to handle these guys. I'll get them on my side. And it's only going to cost me a case of beer. Man, I, I want to. Another reason I want Ron on too. Sorry to, to totally sidetrack this, but uh, with Steve, um, we did this funny joke one time with Steve, and because oh, excuse me one second, oh, oh dear, I think I need some water. Oh man, you got all choked up. You thinking about Ron? You just got all verklempt. I did. Yeah. Um, so my parents were outside talking to Steve in the lawn, and you know they would smoke weed occasionally and by occasionally i mean you know a lot um yeah like every 20 minutes not or really so. a you lot know, like every once in a while like every 10 20 15 minutes something like that yeah and uh really not that much i can't I, I gotta preface that weekend weekenders but still they felt like they were breaking the law like with steve next door a little bit you know so i felt like they wanted to like kind of they wanted to be friends with Steve and they're not dicks at all. They're like totally open and love everybody and just live and let live. And that's how it should be. Uh, especially if you're smoking weed in your own house, and you're not doing anything to anybody. Yeah. But, so <laughs> I talked Ron into, so Ron wanted another piece of cake 
And he had to go ask Debbie if he could have another piece of cake. So I'm like, hey, Ron, when you ask Steve, though, uh, do the body movements um, when you ask, not when you ask Steve, when you ask your mom, do the body movements uh, when asking for a piece of cake. And this is really hard to explain now that I'm thinking about it on radio. I, yeah, I don't really understand. Okay, so you and yeah. Ron are like hanging out outside and he wants cake or how, what, what happened? No, no. Uh, Debbie and dad were outside with Steve. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. So mom and dad are out there talking to the cop neighbor. All right. Yeah, they're talking to the cop neighbor. Ron wants a piece of cake, so he's got to go ask his mom in front of Steve while she's talking to Steve. So um, we would do <laughs> he this can't thing. can't just wait, but he has to have the cake, so he's got to go through this ritual. Wait, do you want cake and you're deputizing Ron to go and ask for the cake? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no, no, I, I was here for the entertainment factor. Because, Were you like, hey, Ron, you know what sounds good? Some cake. Go ask your mom. <laughs> well, because me and, me and Ron, we had a skit where when we talked, every time we finished a word we would move our head or our body in this way <laughs> you know we do you see me on the camera doing it <laughs> yeah. like, so so fuck? ron goes out there for steve and he says hey mom can <laughs> i have a piece of cake <laughs> <laughs> every, every every syllable has some dramatic arm gesture. Yeah, yeah. Like after every word, there's like a dramatic gesture. Like you look up or down, you just make these weird movements with your hand. And then, and then and what was funny is that Debbie is so used to it, it didn't even phase her. And she's like, she's yeah. Just like, Sure, go have a piece of He's cake. He's like, yeah. And then he walks away, and I hear Steve. <laughs> Steve said... <laughs> He was so compartmentalized. He's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> he, did, he could not compute. He could not compute the, the fact that Ron asked for a piece of cake in such a bizarre way. Debbie answered in just such a matter of fact way. Like, it's yeah, go ahead. Totally normal, like, like, just totally normal. Like, totally normal. He's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Oh, man. That's awesome. Steve just can't wrap his mind around like, what, what did I just witness here? Is this is this kid special or is he messing with us or what? And why didn't you respond to the weirdness? Like, am I on another <laughs> planet here? What's going on? Yeah, Ron and I, we, we talk about that one all the time. That was one oh of our favorites. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, man, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> Ron, man. Yeah. Ron and his food. I remember he always wanted to eat toast. You remember that? Like, that was his favorite food was toast. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he would just, like, eat the whole loaf of bread. And I remember his mom and dad getting pissed, like, God damn it, Ron, you ate all the toast again, you know? <laughs> it was like a thing. He was just the fucking, the toast man. Yeah, that and uh, bean burritos. He loved those bean, bean burritos. burritos. I don't remember those. I remember Fruity Pebbles. I do remember being a part of that, though, where his folks were nice enough to buy, like, real brand name cereal like that um like my mom would but i don't know maybe money was tighter and my mom just wasn't down for the brand name stuff because there were not actual brand name fruity pebbles in our house very often but at ron's house the fruity pebbles were abundant and uh we were often uh you know stoned and nothing looks better than fruity pebbles when you're stoned and Man, I remember on several occasions we would sit down and open up a box of Fruity Pebbles and just go until it was gone. You know, just it would just be some fruity dust at the bottom of the box by the time we were through with it.
Oh yeah, fruity pebbles and it's and the cousin uh, cocoa pebbles are good too. Yeah, cocoa pebbles are good. Um, I think I'm, I'm I'm definitely strongly on the fruity pebble side, uh, especially when you're stoned. Fruity pebbles were unbeatable. Although they did kind of fuck up the roof of your mouth a little bit. They would leave it like really raw and rubbed off, you know. Um, but it was worth it. It was uh, it was definitely worth the tasty goodness of the Fruity Pebbles. Man, that makes me feel like I just need to go buy a box of Fruity Pebbles now. That sounds good with toast in honor of Ron. Yeah, Fruity Pebbles are good, but I they're up there. Don't get me wrong, but I think Cookie Crisp has Ooh. a little bit of an advantage over them. Yeah, and speaking of a cereal that just shreds the roof of your mouth, Cookie Crisp will will fuck up the roof of your mouth. And also, Captain Crunch really wrecks the roof of your oh, mouth. Oh, yeah, Captain Crunch right there. You got to let that one soak for a little bit. Yeah, but, dude, the crunch is so good that it's worth it. It's like it, it, it hurts so good. It's it's totally uh, tolerable because you can't wait for the whole bowl to get soggy because then by the time you get down to the second half, it's, like, too soggy. It's just like um, Captain Snot, you know? So you got you to gotta kind of start with the painful intro where it's too hard and too crunchy so that by the time you get to the middle, it's perfect. And then the last remaining Captain Crunch morsels that are floating around in the milk are, are soggy, but tolerably soggy. Keep That's talking because I'm going to get a whole bunch of sound bites out of this one talking about how it That's hurts so ratio. bad, but it tastes so good. <laughs> and I'm ripping your mouth. It's like, I'm so sore. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, oh yeah. Man. I'm going to get some good sound bites out of this bitch. Oh, that's messed up. Dude, that's my move. I still have old sound bites that I've saved in like my old studios and old houses and all that. I've always had like recording studios set up. And uh, I always love to capture certain sound bites, and I still have so many of them, dude. One of these days, I should, I should go dig into my embarrassing soundbite archive and play some old ones and see if you remember them. Well, before I forget to, I gotta get that uh, the one from the Rick episode when you're telling the swing story, and you're like, "Oh shit, Rick's dead!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tree swing. The tree oh, swing. Yeah. When he just like hit the ground, and we all went like, "Oh no, Rick's dead." That was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a fun sound bite. And then you also said, I'll kill your grandma. I'll kill your oh, grandma. Oh, no, you said, I'll beat your grandma, is what you said in the other one. Oh, when I talked about um, calling you or texting you on your birthday really early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I beat, I'll beat, i beat your grandma. I will, dude, yeah. yeah no, one's, no one's fucking beating me, dude. I'll text you at like 4.45 in the morning like, hey, happy birthday, bro, with a picture of a beer or something. Yeah. Yeah, grandma doesn't have a chance. Yeah, I'm going to take that right out of context. <laughs> I'll beat your grandma. Michael, beat your grandma. <laughs> That's messed up, man. Shoot. I would never hit a poor old sweet granny. Man. Well, on that note, goddamn, we've <laughs> got into some weird got into some weird territory. Oh, 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 oh. Dude, if you don't mind me dragging it out a bit longer, I wanted your feedback on a thought I had uh, on a kid's book. Um, Bring it. So... I was reading my son a story, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. So he has a little, like, hard board book. You know, when, when kids are really young, so they don't rip the pages, they have, like, the hard board book-style books where the, the hard pages, so they can't just tear them. Yep. So he's got one that's Jack and the Beanstalk, and I've read that to him a million fucking times when he was little tiny, and now he's, he's a little beyond the age uh, for this particular one because it's kind of a simplified version of the Jack and the Beanstalk story. But he still likes it. Sometimes I guess maybe he's feeling nostalgic, and he'll go pull it off the shelves and want to read that. and like, all right, cool. And um, 
it, it, it rehashed these thoughts that I've been having when I read this book to him dozens or hundreds of times when he was just, you know, months or a year or so old. And I wanted to get your thought on it because, um, I've got, I've got, I've got some, I've got some opinions on Jack and the Beanstalk. So essentially, like, I think everyone's familiar with the story. Jack's a poor kid and, uh, his mom sends him to town to sell the family cow, uh, to get some money, you know, cause they're poor. And Jack is kind of a dipshit, takes the cow into town, is fleeced by some smooth talker into trading the cow for magic beans. Jack's mom gets mad, like, you idiot, you traded our cow for three beans, what are the hell are we supposed to do with this? Chucks him out the window, giant beanstalk grows, it goes all the way up into the clouds, and, and there's a giant living up there, right? Yeah. Uh, when I read the book, it feels a lot like the giant is not the bad guy in the story. Um, as I'm reading it, essentially, Jack climbs this beanstalk and goes and finds a giant's house up in the clouds. He's got a sweet pad. He's minding his own business. Like, the giant's just up there hanging out at home. And Jack breaks into his house, steals a bunch of his shit, including his favorite pet, his goose, his prized goose pet that lays golden eggs. Jack steals it. And when the giant discovers there's an intruder stealing his stuff, he chases him like like any self-respecting American would do. And uh, as he's chasing him down the beanstalk, Jack chops the beanstalk down, the giant falls to his death, and Jack's the good guy? I can't wrap my mind around the message that sends. Like, hey, if you ever find a house with some really cool shit in it, break into it, kill the homeowner, and you get to keep all this stuff. The power of justification. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like it at all. I feel for this poor giant who was just hanging out at home. Maybe he was like... I don't know, watching football on Sunday or something, just relaxing, and some puny little intruder breaks in and steals his pet goose, and he's like, hey, what the fuck, man? Chases him, fee-fi-fo-fum, get the hell out of my house, and uh, eh, then he's dead. He loses his goose, he's dead. All he was doing was hanging out at home, minding his own business. Yeah, by virtue of being a giant, he's a bad guy, I guess. That's that's the story. It's just like, oh, he's a terrible giant, like, uh, I'm going to need a little more backstory before I'm on board with his terribleness. Like, what did he do that's so terrible besides being enormous? Like, is that a crime? I think this is a conspiracy. I think it's a conspiracy. And uh, I'm not buying into it. So when I read my son the story, and I have ever since he was a little tiny kid, when I read this story, uh, I put inflection in all the, all the uh, wrong ways. But I think they're the right ways. So I'm basically telling him, Jack breaks into the giant's home and sees his pet goose and steals his pet goose from the giant. And then Jack takes the goose and runs away. And the giant, and the poor giant, when he notices that Jack takes his pet goose, chases him because he loves that goose and he wants it back. You know, that kind of thing. And then uh, Jack cuts down the beanstalk and the poor giant falls all the way down and hits the ground. And Jack keeps his goose and never gives it back. The end. Jack's so, a bad guy in the way I tell the story. So are you uh, proposing that you're going to create uh, Jack and the Beanstalk 2 or a new and revised Jack and the Beanstalk where you rewrite history? Um, I think you should. Or I think maybe you're right. we should call it like the nice giant gets jacked. Maybe it's not even about Jack. Yeah. He doesn't deserve to be the star of the, of the story. Like he's he's the bad guy. Like he breaks into the giant's house and steals his shit and then kills him. Yeah, you're right. Let's do it. I'm on board. 
yeah, let's let's write the story. Uh, the giant gets jacked. The nice, harmless, totally blameless giant gets jacked. Yeah, we got to work in the beanstalk somehow too, because well, that's how Jack gets to the giant's house to jack him. Is he, you know, the giant lives in the clouds, obviously, so you can't get there without a giant beanstalk. Duh. So he, <laughs> he, uh, the beanstalk is an integral part of the story. Um, so Ooh. yeah, no, I mean, it can be the same story. It's just told from a different perspective, like from the giant's perspective, just hanging out at home, having a nice day, maybe like watering his garden or something. This what asshole about, Jack breaks in and steals all his stuff. What about jacked from the beanstalk? Ooh, jacked from the beanstalk. All right. Yeah, that's cool. We can, we can, we, it can be a working title. We can work on it. We, we can, we can polish that title, but essentially that's my thought is, uh, there's nothing wrong with the giant. He doesn't seem like a bad guy to me. And Jack seems like a piece of shit. Yeah, we, we got to correct that. You're right. Am I missing anything? You on board? No, me? no, no. You, you are a hundred percent in the correct on that. That giant right. did nothing to deserve any of that. His poor golden goose, you know, got stolen. Yeah. He got killed. So the, I mean, so the giant's crime is having an awesome goose as a pet. Maybe he took really good care of that goose. You know what I mean? Like maybe he loved that goose. Yeah, some Maybe of these nursery of rhymes because are just... It was his goose. Who the fuck is Jack to come and just take his goose and then kill him? And then it's like, oh, sweet, now I get to keep his goose. Oh, happy ending. Jack's a hero. What the fuck? Nah, there's some fuckery at foot. Yeah, dude. Big time fuckery. Uh, not on board with it. Not a fan of Jack. Um, I think you need yeah. to do an audio version, too, because you could really drive that one home, I think. <laughs> I'm going to tell that story. Uh, toddlers everywhere will know the truth about Jack and how devious he is and how and how likable this nice giant is. I'm for it. If you want me to, I'll, I'll play a role in that if you want me to be the giant. V-5-O-Fum. Oh. You don't have to be scary. Maybe that's like, uh, maybe that's just thrust on him to help paint the picture of a bad guy. Maybe that's like propaganda. You know, maybe he's just like, V-5-O-Fum, welcome to my house. Would you like a beer? Maybe he's super cool. <laughs> would you like a beer bowl? Yeah, would, like would you like an enormous beer, like a four thousand ounce beer mug? Because that's how I drink my beer. Maybe he's really like a good host and hospitable and friendly and welcoming and giving. Maybe he's all these great things, and no one would ever know because he died on the beanstalk just trying to get his goose back. Well, let's do it. Let's get a script and let's do a little bit of a audio version of Jack and the Beanstalk. All right. All right. And we can play like sinister music around the parts where like Jack is climbing up the beanstalk, stalking his prey, weighing his target, picking his entry point and figuring out how he's going to rob this poor giant blind. Yeah. I'm 100% on board. All right. Yeah. Jack sucks. Giant good. And good call. Right. Teach your son properly. I like that. I, dude, I, yeah, I like uh, teach him with an open mind. Like, hey, don't just go with the story that Jack's a good guy, the giant's a bad guy, because that's what they're telling you to think. Like, look at this situation. What makes Jack so good and what makes the giant so bad? Nothing. In fact, it's the opposite. Yep, they swindled the narrative. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, no, there's a... Uh, no one can convince me otherwise. Uh, maybe there's more information I'm not aware of. Maybe... Uh, I don't know, maybe like the giant killed Jack's dad and that's why uh, it's just his mom 
Now, I don't know, maybe there's some of that. And I'm open to backstory. I'm open to more information. But as it stands and as I understand it, um, the giant does not deserve to be robbed and murdered. And Jack is a bad person for doing that. <laughs> that's, that's my position. I'm sticking to it. Well, I'm with you. Let's make the book. I'd all right. Well, to. I'm glad we covered that. that. That was important. I've been thinking about that all week. Uh, and I really wanted to get your feedback on that. Like, am I way out of line here? Am I distorted? Or is this obvious and no one else is seeing it? What what's going on here so i'm glad you're i'm glad you see it that way well i think we can go back through a whole bunch of nursery rhymes too and like unpack them because there's well, a whole bunch of rhymes fuckery. Are, oh they're very crazy dude like so many nursery rhymes really are like violent um or just very dark um you know but uh essentially the story is plausible whereas this one is I, I don't even understand how you could see Jack as a good guy. Like, none of what he does is okay. I don't get it. Maybe let's do a special episode where we unpack some nursery rhymes, too. All right. Yeah, let's yep. go look up some, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, yeah, we'll unpack some good nursery rhymes because there's really good ones. Also, like, fables, like Aesop's fables, the old, like, um, ancient time slave who wrote those famous uh, fables, Aesop, those are... Those are pretty interesting, and the original Aesop's fables are, like, super violent. So the Aesop's fables that most kids have in their books are the watered-down, less bloody, um, not-so-murderous versions of the Aesop fables with purely the message intact, but none of the gory detail. The original Aesop's fables were fucking brutal. Yeah, I've never heard of those, but it certainly is weird how these violent, vile things, like, are carried down through history and we find it uh, acceptable um, to share with our children. Yeah. Well, dude, what about Rockabye Baby? I mean, that's what horrible. The fuck? Yeah. Who wrote yeah. that shit? Seriously. Are you kidding me? Rockabye yeah. Baby on the treetop, when the bow breaks, the cradle will drop and down will come baby, cradle and all. So who put a fucking crib in a tree that's that's my first question what an asshole and who put a baby in a crib in a tree and uh why are we writing a story about the inevitability of that tree branch breaking and the cradle and baby falling all the way down to the ground it's the same group what? of writers that wrote true lies what the fuck <laughs> true lies the same same demented writing group yeah Man. That's the one. Just just for uh, reference purposes, that's where the guy turned to Arnold and said, "What got an ass like a thirteen year old boy or some shit like that?" I think like, it's talking ten. About I a think woman, he goes, 10 year old "Oh boy. man, oh. she's so fine. This and that. She's so pretty. She got an ass like a ten year old boy." Like what the fuck yeah. did you just say? Was Excuse that? Excuse me. Was that a typo? Like, uh, huh? How did that make it into the final cut? No one, no one just cocked their head to that one. Like that's. That is sickening. What the fuck? For real. Yeah, man. All right. Well, I'm glad we got into that. I've been I've been dying to get your opinion on my my theory about Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, so I feel better now. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. I'm here for you. All right, brother. Well, we will write a children's book as soon as we get time. Probably never, but we should. And uh, yeah. Until then. Oh, fucking Christmas. You do anything for Christmas? Um, no. All right. Awesome. 
(laughs) (laughs) What about you? Man, Uh, dude, we're just trying to make it as fun and as whimsical as we can because our kids are at really fun Christmas ages. Uh, Our oldest is three, and he is just fucking gung-ho for Christmas. He totally knows what it's about, and he is ready. And our one-year-old, who is almost one, he, obviously, it's his first Christmas, and the three-year-old is... is, um, has is taking it upon himself to teach the younger one all about what Christmas is, and uh, they are just at such a fun Christmas age. So we're just we're just purely all about that. Um, so we're having a ton of fun with it. Yeah, we we did put up some lights, put up some lights and stuff yeah. because she's at this age right now where she yeah. just loves it too. So we're like, we got to do yeah. more than just nothing. This, this is the first year, year so we really decorated. Last year, I put one string of white lights around the edge of the house. I've never done anything before that. And then now my boy is like, we go on walks every evening and look at all the neighborhood Christmas lights. He loves it. Um, so we actually decorated our house. We got like a big inflatable snowman and colored lights and a light up wreath and light strands wrapped around our tree trunks and all kinds of shit, dude. It's uh, Our house looks pretty, pretty Christmassy. Cool. Send me a picture. All right. I will. All right. You going to tweet a picture of your uh, Nubby Knuckles grandpa? Yeah, I will. I'll tweet Red. Nubby Knuckles. All right. Well, cool, D. Well, ton of All fun right, talking to you. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, but if I don't, Merry Christmas. But I will. We'll talk. You too, brother. Merry right, Christmas, man. man. Uh, yep. Take it easy, man. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Later, bro. Hey, this is Mike. Thanks a lot for listening. We really hope you're enjoying the show. We have a great time doing it for you. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Derek and Mike Pod or on our website, DerekandMike.com. And uh, don't forget to subscribe or follow the show in your podcast app. That would be super cool, helps us out a ton. And it also makes sure that you get notified every time we put out a new episode. Also, if you know of anyone else who might like the show, share it with a friend. Tell someone who might dig it. That would be super cool. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us. Uh, We really appreciate you, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. And until then, have a good one.